Welcome into another episode of the Lineouts Podcast. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborg. Just as we get the huge, disappointing news, Shohei Otani has got a torn UCL. He will not pitch certainly the rest of this year. And depending on the severity of the tear, uh, we could be looking at at least 12 months for Shohei Otani with a potential Tommy John surgery. And even maybe more than that, it sounds like the reality of the situation. Not that we ever want to jump to any conclusions, but the very likelihood that he would not pitch again until 2025 certainly seems to be on the table. A year in which he is headed to free agency, a year in which we expect him to get a record setting by a long shot contract because of what he does on both sides of the ball. Spilly, we wake up this morning here on a Thursday, August 24th, uh, to this absolutely awful news that Shohei Otani has a torn UCL. I am so mad, CJ, and sad. I, I'm sad first off for, for Otani. Um, I, I'm sad for him. I'm sad for the season he's having. It's still remarkable. I mean, he's he's a 9.6 war, wins above replacement. He's he's, he's going to finish with a 10. I, I, it didn't make sense at the time. We were talking about this three weeks ago. I continue to say, like, shut him down. You're going to break him. And like, I feel like there's a moral hazard here. I feel like the angels have some responsibility. Now I, I get it. You know, the player can talk and, and speak up and say like, Hey, you know, probably should shut me down. Let's take a look at the record here. You know, we're, we're not in the postseason run. I get we're competitors, but in the case of Otani, if you start tracking his, like the amount of innings pitched and the workload and let's not like hide from the fact, okay, he's 28 years old doing something that nobody else does at such a high level. And then there was indicators. CJ, there were indicators. We watched the start in in Detroit, and we all were like, oh, my God, that's so incredible. Complete game shutout uh, against the the Tigers. It was, was, what, a one-hitter. He hit two home runs in the game. What can't you do? 111 pitches. Then they go to Toronto. This is right before trade deadline. Tiny's not getting traded. He starts having cramps. We're like, man, you guys are running him way too hard. He goes out for his next start. It's against the Seattle Mariners. Took a loss. In that start, he came out due due to hand cramps. I'm like, at that point, CJ, it was August 3rd. And 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 like the Angels were losing. They like their percent chance of getting to the postseason was going, it was dwindling. And I remember we we talked about, we said, I was like, why are you pitching him now? Like, what's the point? What is the point? He is going to be a free agent. Let's be selfish here. Let's protect the player. You want to re-sign this guy, protect him. Protect him. Like, make it stop. Like, don't make him go pitch anymore. Just be a parent here. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. There's too many indicators. He's worn thin. He's doing everything he can to help the team win. Applause. Great. Angels, great run. Appreciate the trade deadline. You should have traded him. Whatever. And now... You're watching a team, he, he throws again against the Giants, it's fantastic. Then he throws yesterday against the Cincinnati Reds, last four four batters or or an inning and a third, throws a pitch, UCL UCL tear. Game one of a doubleheader, a day game in Anaheim on a Wednesday. Stupid. So stupid. And and I and I blame I blame the Angels. I blame partially the Angels because why, like, what was the risk? What, what was it for? I don't get it. I, I literally don't get it. They should have just let him hit. He's going to hit over 50 home runs. He's going to be the MVP. Let him finish strong. Like, he's had a big year with the WBC. I don't get it. 
Like this one, like the indicators were there, there, and you blew them out. And, so and a couple like of things here. Worst... Yeah. So, well, he has some of the responsibility. It's not, I, you know, sure. the, the idea that they were just throwing him out there and he was like, I don't want to pitch. And like, you're going to pitch. I certainly, I don't think it was anything like that. There's no doubt there are conversations throughout all this, as you mentioned, especially when he's dealing with say things like uh, cramps, which, you know, for the most part, not that you don't take them seriously, but if you're talking about cramps and hamstrings, you're talking about very likely dehydration. The other part of it, too, is what do we do with all pitchers when we look at guys uh, when it comes to workload as we measure it against the previous year? He's got five less starts and 34 less innings than he had a year ago, right? So it's not as if they've pushed him into territory that he hasn't been in, right? He was now actually pitched less this year than he did last year. He's got, what, 29 less games, 110 less plate appearances than he had last year, right? And so that's the part of it for me that I look at if I'm Shohei Otani. Now, again, I don't know if he looks at his free agency and says, I got to max out this year, make sure I feel really strong. I think a lot of us believe that he, if he did shut it down from pitching, he'd still be in the same position. He would be if he made five more starts uh, the rest of this year and had about the same amount of innings that he had a year ago, it would be a concern. It certainly would come up for some teams uh, when you start looking at the total numbers and saying, how much do I want to invest? What do I really believe he can do from a pitching standpoint? And as much as this stinks, the reality is, is that for any team that was going to sign him, this was going to happen sooner or later anyway. Uh, I mean, I don't think he just blows it out now because they pushed. If he got shut down two weeks ago, is he not tearing that elbow eventually next year? I mean, I know we can't say for sure, um, but I feel like there's a pretty good possibility that would have happened and it would have fallen on somebody else. But the other part of it, of course, is that it's not as if they believe they don't have a chance to sign him, right? They did believe that, right? So for the Angels, in their assessment of what are we trying to accomplish right now and what do we believe here with Shohei Otani and our future with him, they believe that there's a chance that they can re-sign him. Even talking to people, we just played the Angels around the Angels a little bit and believing that we still think there's a chance. Um, we, you know, depending on what happens, you know, there's these young players. There's they're certainly you can see the future to some degree. Just like I thought I saw it this year, it just didn't happen. Some of that pitching didn't deliver the way that they thought, but there's certainly some good players still in the organization. Point being is that they feel like they would have a shot, maybe still convince him, so they would not necessarily be irresponsible with Shohei Otani. It's a delicate line, and it's a really tough balance, but we don't know what those conversations were like with him. He is such a unique player, and you know, you and I will talk often about there's times where the where the front office, the coaches have to step in and protect players from themselves. And you have to be able to recognize those situations and when it's called for. You have a guy that loves to play every day, but he really needs a day. He doesn't want to take one. You got to step in and give him a day. You have a pitcher or reliever says, I'm fine. You have to understand, even though you've worked him a ton, you got to step in and give him a break because he needs it. You can't always trust a player. So even though you know we don't know what those conversations are like, even those conversations alone to me are not necessarily what you use um, to judge. So this is um, it's brutal news. Sounds like it'll be the second Tommy John surgery for Shohei Otani. Right? That's the other part of it. You knew that he already had one. And what this ultimately does um, to his value is kind of fascinating, Spilly. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I can't just jump all over, um, you know, after the fact now. And I know you were in favor of shutting him down. I was not. I can't just jump all over the Angels and say, oh, you should have done this. Yeah, it's really easy to say that um, now. But at the same time, he's, you know, they're not pushing to a place he hasn't been before. He's actually in a in a pretty big spot where had he finished out the year and based everything on what they've done with six-man rotation, he probably would have finished right about where he was a year ago. Back-to-back years of the same amount of games and the same amount of starts. And anything yeah, less WBC. than that would have raised the red flag. I know. But, and then, hey, that's the WBC. And I, I'm with you on that one. 
And that's, a, that's another part of the conversation with the WBC and what it's done now, if you want to, you know, calculate that into this and kind of some of quite honestly, the destruction that it has done to some big time players this year, Jose Altuve, certainly with Diaz, Shohei Otani, um, you know, we can go through it. Who was the left-handed reliever um, from the Angels? Uh, I always say his name wrong. Is it uh, Quijada? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he had some really big yeah. moments that blew out. Like the, So the WBC, while we love it, um, you know, and it's, a, it's an absolute fair point. Maybe you can't look at everything the same because of it, um, has done some damage this year uh, to Major League Baseball players and has kept them off the field because of it. And uh, and that's a real thing. But it's brutal, I just, man. It's, I just feel like the sucks. Angels do deserve some. I mean, and, and I totally hear what you're saying. Uh, if if he would have shut him down, let's say he, he – you know, could he have had a Tommy John next year? Of course, of course. And I, uh, and I do, I do agree. Like I, I'm, I'm reacting in hindsight. I'm reacting after the fact. Um, however, we were proactive in, in pointing out, like when you see players going through cramps, when you're watching the record, I, we were, we were taking account the WBC or we're taking account the, you know, the workload of him playing. He is not a normal player. And, and all those indicators, it's the same as, as like, why are they slow playing a guy like Paul Skeens in the minor leagues with the pirates? Why, like, why are that? Why, why are they going to shut him down? Why do they shut down young players? You know, young controllable because they're, they're trying to, you know, limit the workload because they're trying to protect them long-term because of their future. The angels, there's a moral hazard here. And I continue to say that because angels knew he's going to be a free agent this year. They're trying to protect him. Yeah. We want to resign him, but Look, he, he brings people to the fa- brings people to the to the game. Um, you know, his workload isn't quite the same as it was a year ago. Like, there's all kinds of shades of gray that you could hide behind, and it just felt it just I don't know. It, it felt semi obvious the way his body was reacting and the way the team was playing that the risk of him continuing to pitch. And I, I was we I mean we we're talking we were like you're gonna break him you're gonna break him. And they did, they did, and the indicators were there. There has to be some some kind of accountability here. There has to be. Well, there's not I, accountability. I, I mean, they lose out. There's nothing you can do. They're not going to sue the Angels. There's, you know, I mean, we can bury them, and they can certainly take a lot of criticism. Um, but again, there's no doubt that they're having unless there unless there was some irresponsibility that we hear about, and the cramps were blown off, and like, ah, it's just cramps. Don't worry about it. As opposed to. Let's talk to our doctors. What's going on with him? Make sure we're checking him out. Where we are? Is this just dehydration? Yeah. What does this have to do with you know where his body's at right now? Um, it, you know, he's he's doing something. Obviously, that's incredibly uh, special and it's unique. And we haven't had anybody do it. It's certainly not at this level of athlete that he is. Um, and so yeah, there's probably I guess um, you know some conversation that should happen there. But I don't doubt that they were really thorough. If they weren't, then yeah, then we got to then you got to take some heat for not being a little bit more thorough. But I just I can't look at a guy and say, well, he had cramps, um, and so you know, heads up, he might tear his elbow. Like I can't make that connection. I'm not a doctor, sure. but I know, I I'm worried that. about the body a little bit. But it's more about listen, that tear was there. You want to talk about you know pushing him a little bit? You know what concerned me more than this? And this is when you, you mentioned bringing up kind of kids and long term and how we're uh, trying to uh, take care of assets that you have when they're young. Go back two years ago when they were trying to get him what seemed like ten wins. Remember, there was a game late in the season that he pitched in 2021, and they were way out of it. I remember thinking to myself, man, he's going back out there like for the eighth inning, year one, 
after coming off of all this, right? Because, of course, he had that Tommy John surgery, um, and we didn't see him pitch very much um, at all. What was that? In 2020, he had the two starts. That was it, right? So he's back in 2021, um, and he, you know, he didn't pitch in uh, 19 at all because of the surgery. And in 2021, the year, of course, that he won the MVP, he was crushing it. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, it was weird. Late in the year, he had made a start, and it, it seemed like they were trying to get him his 10th win. Like he was going to go ahead and win um, anyway. How about his last two starts of the year in which that he had coming off that Tommy John surgery? September 19th, eight innings. September 26th, seven, th- seven innings. 108 and 112 pitches Stupid. in those two games. And he pitched great. He dominated. Uh, he didn't it. get a win in either one of them. Um, but I remember thinking that at the time, I'm like, man, they are pushing him um, to a place where, you know, all year long, he had been five, six, he had a couple outings of seven innings, but at the very end of the year, I mean, you talk about unnecessary um, innings and pushing a little bit that stuck out to me more than this does. Cause it did. It felt like they were just trying to get him that when they lost that game that he went eight innings, three to two, it was a no decision for him. He gave up a couple of home runs. Uh, the game in which he went seven innings, only gave up one. They lost that one as well, uh, five to one. And so he couldn't get that 10th win. There's the, the back and forth of, we need to set the foundation for next year. Let's get him responsibly, get him as many innings as we can so we can build off that number for next year. And then there's the part of like, man, it's just reckless. And that's a, you know, that's a balance is, is really tough. I think to, for teams to get through it, man. But I, I do, I think about that. You talk about doing damage to your elbow. Rarely is it acute where rarely is it. I threw one pitch and snap something, right? There's a buildup to that uh, probably 99 out of a hundred times. And the buildup started for me, even going back to 2021 when I thought they were pushing maybe a little bit too hard, but you don't know what the conversations are like. Like we look at this guy and I, I he's smiley I and he's happy, but you never know if he's got some Max Scherzer in him where he's like, don't even think about taking me out of this game. I'm going back out. It there. doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like it. it doesn't. I know I, know. I hear that, but it, I, I have a kid that's stubborn as a mule. Yeah. And like, we'll do the same thing. And he but he's not a 29 year old star in the game. Right. I mean, that's the thing you're talking about, a 29 year old international superstar in the game. And while, yeah, you'll tell Tatum, I'll tell you, Luke, don't worry about it. You're not playing now. Um, it's not the same with Shohei. Ota. I agree. There's a responsibility there. But that, again, unless there was such terrible communication, like if they haven't laid out a plan, like as the year is gone and had the things that they check in as the year goes, then, yeah, shame on them. I'd be shocked if that hasn't happened, though. He's not going to throw again until age 30. I, I don't even know how how much does how much does a UCL tear take off the total cost of an Otani just as a quick like yeah well it's his second question. one Is that like he turned twenty Spilly yeah I mean he's not he's not going to throw again probably yeah thirty but thirty um no he'll be yeah thirty almost turning thirty one right his birthday is July fifth so assuming again kind of full time job remember it's the second time. The, you know, the recovery, we, we always jump to conclusions. It's not 100% even for the first one. It's really high for the first one, which obviously he has done. But the second one, the numbers go down significantly as far as the ability to recover. So what does it do? It's a great question because when we start looking at free agency, what do you do if you're him? Are you, is somebody going to sign him with the assumption that he'll be back and pitching again? Does he do a one-year deal and just go rake because he could DH next year? Is he going to do a oh one-year deal God. and just go rake for somebody and then have to build up. And even then, there's nothing to prove from a pitching standpoint. But again, knowing him and what we've seen from him, he cares about where he is. And he cares, you know, he cares. So he, as much as we thought he was getting a $500 million deal, if there's 300 out there in the place that he wants to go on six years or whatever, then maybe he takes that too. He's a different kind of guy. He is not just max value wherever I can go to get it kind of guy. At least that's my impression. Unbelievable. What a terrible day for for baseball. What a terrible day for Japan and, and for Otani. 
Uh, what a terrible day for the Angels. Uh, uh, man, like that's... Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal, man. And we'll see. Obviously, we got a lot of time. We digest the terrible news today uh, for Shohei Otani with the torn UCL. What does it mean going forward? Um, is it at least a year? What is the offseason going to look like? This was going to be our, our biggest topic all offseason long. It'll still be out there, but it's going to look completely um, different. So that is really um, unfortunate. Let's get to one other huge piece of news. Uh, the Chicago White Sox make a somewhat stunning decision, and it's stunning for them. If you were looking at this situation objectively, you might be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I get why they're doing it. But what a Jerry Reinsdorf-run club, and what anything we know about Jerry Reinsdorf over the years is that he is incredibly loyal uh, to the people that work for him. And if you do a good job, you're going to have a job, and he's not going to overreact year to year. Uh, with that being said, Kenny Williams, who's been there uh, for a real long time, what was it, 2002? Rick Hahn, I believe, right behind him. Uh, both let go. Uh, president of Baseball Operations, general manager, both let go from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, some rumblings already about what they're going to do. Nothing definitive yet as far as what is next. There was a lot of news surrounding this team the last couple of years. And it's interesting because I look at big picture, Spilly, and I think about looking at it on paper. Last couple of years, I really like the roster they put together. Just, just looking at the players, like, yep, good players. You haven't put yourself in a terrible spot where um, you're paying one guy or two guys, you know, $30, $40 million, and it's going to handcuff you. It was really well balanced from a financial standpoint. It looked like they had all their bases covered. Uh, last two years, pitching looked relatively deep. Uh, position players locked up to some team-friendly deals. It has been a disaster the last two years. People have wanted to blame, blame Tony La Russa. Obviously not the problem. Uh, Pedro Grafal gets his first opportunity, and it was just one bad story after another, and a lot of them not necessarily having to do with how bad the team was playing, but how the team was constructed from a personality standpoint. I don't know if that's what put put uh, pushed Jerry Reinsdorf over the top here, Spilly, but the White Sox make a monster decision and uh, pretty much clean out their front office. Toxic work environment. That's what it sounds like. Um, I mean, even when it, when it happened, we started hearing all like, and if you were watching anything with Chicago with, with the with the White Sox and the coverage with Ozzie Guillen and their and their uh, <laughs> their pre and post game show, man, there was there was no punches held back. You started hearing stories about how Kenny Williams was vindictive towards media, uh, reaching out to to players when to media when when the team was playing well. Um, how there was even the story of Jake Berger. And how Jake Berger at trade deadline, Rick Hahn did not want to make a deal. He did not want to trade Jake Berger. He's been a great story. Really good clubhouse guy. And it ends up being Kenny Williams that just goes over the top of him and makes mm-hmm. a deal with Miami and sends him over to, to Miami. And, and then absolutely, like at that point, the entire clubhouse is like, what the what the hell? And so beyond that, you know, and I, and I was – I was looking at this thing and trying to be super objective and, and understand, okay, so like what creates this, these type of environments? I think first off, Jerry Reinsdorf, he gets credit for the bulls and he gets credit for 2005 and, and, and being an owner, I'm not going to, you know, rake him through the coals here. The last couple of years though, he needs to be criticized. And you know, the, the hiring of Tony La Russa without having it go through the channels with Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams probably undermined that front office. So that de- decision first, hmm. because that was the one. And if you remember the story, Reinsdorf had hired Hawk Harrelson from the broadcast booth to be the general manager. This was in the eighties. And he ends up firing Tony La Russa. La Russa originally started his 
managerial career in Chicago. And LaRusa goes on, he, he goes on to the Oakland A's, then the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's a Hall of Famer, the rest is history. Well, for Reinsdorf, LaRusa was the one that got away. So when LaRusa had the chance to hire a manager, of course he's going to get Tony LaRusa. And the criticism there was hey, LaRusa's been out of the game for a while. You have a very dynamic, very diverse, unique clubhouse that's fun, exciting. Let's like maybe let's let's match it with with a younger manager. And if you remember, CJ, the name that was, was floating around and probably the one that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams would have agreed to have, have hired, it was AJ Hinch. Mm. AJ Hinch was that was the possible manager to go in there. Well, Reinstorf hires LaRusa. And if you remember, fan sentiment was like, what the heck are we doing? Uh, and to me, that felt like the start of the undermining from the from the ownership start level down to what's supposed to be your front office of baseball ops. And we knew we, we saw what kind of disaster LaRusa was. Um, he might not have been the wrong manager. He was just not the right manager for this club. And, and then you get Pedro Gerfal, who now has to come in to a, to a clubhouse that's already been established and that seemed to have no rules. That's a pretty bad environment. You already have toxicity for the top. It just felt like it was destined for some sort of blow up. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, there's no accountability, no leadership. And of course, I found it comical yesterday. So after you fire Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, Larry Reinsdorf hires as a consultant, Tony LaRusa. And oh, so your, did you already hire him or did you just hire him? You hired him yesterday. Okay. I saw that he was on payroll. I thought he was already on payroll. Okay. Nope. Hired him yesterday. Okay. So I don't know if this thing gets fixed. I don't know what happens different. Um, I'm assuming Nick Getz uh, or Chris Getz gets elevated to general manager. Yeah. My it sounds like he's leading Larry, right now uh, uh, here in the my, short term. But even though it has, nothing's my, been official, he's the guy that at least is uh, whatever conversations well, Pedro has to have uh, with the quote-unquote general manager of the team, they're, they're going to Chris Getz right now. Yeah, and then my guess is if it stays within the, the, the family tree, you're going to see Dayton Moore in the Chicago White Sox organization pretty soon. Maybe that was so, in the athletic today as well, or yesterday. Uh, Dayton right now is with the, I just talked to him yesterday, two days ago. He is with the um, Texas Rangers in an advisory role right now for Chris Young. Um, it all depends, I guess, really, quite honestly, if, uh, if it's a challenge that you want, because that's the other part of it, right? Is it something that you would want to take on? On the one hand, it's been a mess. And you mentioned Jerry Reinsdorf and bringing in Tony LaRusso, at least a guy that he trusts to have conversations with. The next part of it, though, the upside there is that they will put some resources into their team. Um, you do well and you you know make a good enough first impression, and Jerry Reinsdorf will keep you around for a long time. Now he is 87 uh, years old, so he's getting up there in years. And I believe I saw something regarding what's going on with their stadium and you know threaten, threatening to move or you know, trying to do something else within uh, Chicago. Once he does uh, pass away, sounds like the team gets sold. Um, and that's so that could create potentially some more turmoil here and however much longer, um, you know, he is around, which still could be for a long time. Uh, but I thought that was also interesting. There's a lot at play here as far as um, the job. Do you find it a desirable job if you had an opportunity to come in right now and knowing that you're going to listen? I would say outside of something crazy, you're going to get at least four or five years at least. And it's not as if they're managers, right? Front office general managers generally get much more time 
um, than those leading on the field to get a plan together, especially when you lay it out and you kind of explain how long it's really going to take. Um, is this a desirable job right now uh, in a front office, especially for somebody with experience? I get it. If you're a new guy, you'll take whatever job almost you can get to lead a team. But if you are experienced, an experienced executive in baseball right now, is the White Sox job to lead that organization a desirable job? Uh, I don't think it's desirable, but I think for the challenge, I think for, for executives that like to get their hands dirty, then yeah, this, this would be a, a, a nice challenge. This would be something that, I mean, like I would look forward to something like this where, you know, I get to start fresh ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got I, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably reassess who in the organization could be, um, you know, assets for you. I mean, you don't want to come in there and just like wreck like clean shop and, and be a racquetball. You, you got to keep the bones together. This is like a, it's like if you ever watch any HGTV home remodel, there's good bones in everything that you find. Even, even in a, even in a, a deserted, disgusting, you know, environment, there's stuff there that you can use. There's a foundation there that's, that's usable. Um, I, I would, I would say you would have to have thick skin you'd have to have reasonable expectations of, of how quickly you could turn it around. You, you better have a player development background. Um, you better have a, a brain trust that you can bring in uh, that, that supplements and adds value to what's already existing. Um, you'd have to play well in the sandbox. Uh, you'd have to establish some guidelines and leadership qualities that, that haven't been there or at least that were there that, that got lost in the shuffle um, yeah, I think this would be a, a desirable place for 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 people of that type of executive background that want to do that. Mm. Otherwise, like a first year exec, uh, somebody that's had it easy and in it like like I had it in the dot. Like if you were coming from the Dodgers or a place that has their stuff together, um, this would not be this would not be for you. Um, this would be for somebody that's that's like they've gone through it before, right? Like the, this is like a. Uh, a Gordon Ramsay, you know, like kind of turn the hell's kitchen around type thing. So I, I think it's desirable, especially considering the market, uh, the division, the city, uh, the possible payroll. Yeah, this would be a desirable spot for, for several, for some guys, not all of them. Yeah, I like how you talked about the idea of getting your hands dirty because there's a lot of work to do and cleaning some things up, including uh, the atmosphere inside and that chemistry or lack thereof, the culture in the clubhouse needs some work. That is going to take uh, some time. I don't know if you saw this or not, but it's one of the few broadcasts in the game. Uh, I don't know if it was a pregame show or postgame show, but it was the host. It was Ozzie Guillen and it was Scott Pesednik. They tear that team up. It's really, I know they, they, the focus was on the players, but it is something else, man. I mean, there are not too many uh, pre and post game shows. There's not too many broadcasts where you're going to be overly, overly critical. You have to keep your, uh, certainly your integrity intact. Um, but it was something, man, watching these guys, uh, just absolutely tear apart the clubhouse, uh, in Chicago, uh, with the white Sox. They can do it in New York to some degree, certainly in the Mets broadcast. Um, and to see it in Chicago, I just, it really stuck out to me. I was like, my goodness, uh, there's not too many places that that will happen. I know fans love it. Um, they eat it up when the team is going bad. Let's go ahead and pile on and talk about how bad uh, things are, but pretty fascinating to see. By the way, you mentioned the name uh, Chris Getz, former big league player, former draft pick. The White Sox actually picked him twice. They took him in the sixth round at a high school. 
uh, in Michigan, and they took him in the fourth round out of college. He went to the University uh, of Michigan after starting out his college career at Wake Forest. And so that's another conversation. But this trend of guys that have played um, in the front office, he's only 39 years old. They got a taste, at least to some degree, of the uh, analytics age, right? He finished his career at the big league level in 2014, uh, went into the uh, front office uh, after that. So much like Chris Young uh, and others, I think that trend, we start, we continue to see that one, assuming Chris gets, obviously he's already been in the front office, but if he ends up being the guy to get the general manager job with the Chicago White Sox. So a couple of huge pieces of news here. Uh, Shohei Otani out, UCL tear. Uh, by the way, also failed to mention Mike Trout's going back on the IL, not as if we already did not see uh, the Angels pretty much uh, packing it in because how poorly they've played since the deadline. Uh, but just some devastating news uh, for them. A couple of stars won't be them the rest with them the rest of the way. And then, of course, what it means for uh, free agency. That's going to do it for Spilly and I. Uh, we'll be back at it on Loud Out, uh, the show on MLB Network Radio, 2 to 5 Eastern Time, Sirius XM, Channel 89. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Sirius XM Podcast. See you, buddy.